0: Welcome to The Word Encounter, episode 173. Today we'll be in the books of uh, Zephaniah and Haggai. We'll finish both books today. First with uh, with Zephaniah. Zephaniah was a prophet around the time of uh, 620 BC. Uh, This is the time before the Babylonians came and wiped out the Assyrians. So the Assyrians had been kind of a pain in the behind to the Judeans. They have already taken the Northern Kingdom into captivity uh, 100 years or so prior. And so this is a time after uh, the evil kings of Judah, two evil kings of Judah. You had uh, King Manasseh and then his son, King Ammon. And then uh, King Josiah was Ammon's son, and Josiah was a good king, and so he was trying to turn things around in Judah. And this is at the time when Zephaniah was prophesying. And so, because of the prior two evil kings, the people, the state of the people of the Judeans at that time, they were involved in heavy idolatry and wickedness and evil, and King uh, Josiah was trying to turn them around, was trying to turn them away. Around that point in time, uh, the scriptures had been discovered, uh, old, uh, I guess, from Moses, and, uh, and so people were getting re-educated uh, on the Word of God, and they were using this as an assistant, uh, as an assistance in order to turn the people from their wicked ways. And so this is the time that um, Zephaniah is prophesying. And this happens to be approximately 20 years or so before the first siege from the Babylonians against Judah. And so uh, this is where we are. So with that, let's get started. In chapter 1, we see the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushai, uh, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah. Son of Hezekiah, and so uh, we see that um, Zephaniah is his great great grandfather. Yeah, his great great grandfather is um, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. Okay, and so that Zephaniah is uh, is a son is is in the lineage of royalty. See, so his words uh, probably have more weight uh, than other prophets, maybe because of his lineage. And so it says, um, "Son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, king of Judah." So we see that we are in the days of Josiah, the great day of the Lord. And so, uh, so if we're, uh, this just hit me. So in some way, some kind of way, Josiah and Zephaniah then have to be related because Josiah is also a descendant of um, of the kings of Judah. And so. Somewhere in there, they're probably some remote cousins or some kind of way. Anyway, the great day of the Lord, it says in verse 4, let me turn my word here. It says in verse 4, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the residents of Jerusalem. I will cut off every vestige of Baal uh, from this place, the names of uh, pagan priests along with the priests those who bow and worship on the rooftops to the stars in the sky, those who bow and pledge loyalty to the Lord, but also pledge loyalty to Milcom. Now, Milcom is another name of Molech. And if we recall, Molech is the God that the pagan peoples would offer and sacrifice their children to, a practice that the Israelites had started to pick up. And so... The Lord is saying that he's going to stretch out his hand against Judah and all the residents of uh, Jerusalem because of these reasons, you know. And so these people are, um, uh, are involved in polytheism, right? And so it says to those who bow and pledge loyalty to the Lord, but they also pledge loyalty to Molech. And so, so they're trying to you know, cover their bases and whatnot. And the Lord says, no, 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 we're not having any of that. And he says, and those who turn back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord um, uh, or inquire of him. In other words, those, he says, those who turn back from following the Lord. In other words, at one time they were following and then they turned away. Now in today's nomenclature, we would say that's backsliding when you, when you follow Jesus and then turn away and do something else, that's backsliding. And so, uh, God is saying, look, uh, to those people who are involved in polytheism who 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 uh, uh, worship if you will um, Molech and also me, uh uh-uh, uh ain't happening. To those who would follow me and call on my name but then turn their back on me, uh uh-uh, uh ain't happening. And so he's not down for that, not down for that at all. In verse 8 it says, "On the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials the king's sons and all who are dressed in foreign clothing. Now, what does this mean? He's saying he's gonna it's essentially punish the politicians, the leaders, see? He's gonna punish them, all the officials and all the king's sons and whatnot, and all who are dressed in foreign clothing means that they have uh, they have started to graft towards the culture of foreigners. They have started taking on their value system. They have started incorporating their gods and their idols. And so this is all representative in foreign clothing. He says, On that day, I will punish all who skip over the threshold, who fill their master's house with violence and deceit. Over the threshold. And so, uh, in the days of, uh, I, I think it was the Egyptians that prayed to Dagon and, and whatnot, part of the practices was that to step on the threshold of the temple, I guess, was a sign of disrespect. So they would skip over the threshold of the temple in order to get in the, into the temple. And the Lord is saying, for those of you that have adopted those practices, you know, or uh, for those of you who have filled your master's house with violence, you know, it says, you will be punished on that day. <clears throat> I'm not having you graft any other customs or whatever with regard to worshiping, uh, worshiping other and foreign idols. That's not how I roll. In verse 12, it says, And at that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who settle down comfortably, who say to themselves, The Lord will do nothing, good or bad. And other, in other words, what, what the Lord is saying is, there are people out there sitting back there, comfortable and whatnot, and who may say they believe in God, but they don't think He's an active God. He says He's not going to do anything. He's not going to do anything uh, good to me for me. He's not going to do anything bad to me. You know, He's essentially irrelevant. So we don't have to do anything in order to honor Him. And so <clears throat> the Lord is saying He will search with lamps and punish those people who do that. You know, searching with lamps, that implies that I'm looking for you. You know, you are not going to escape me. I am going to find you. I'm going to find those of you who do this. Then it says in verse 10, it says their wealth will become plunder and their houses are ruined. They will build houses, but never live in them, plant vineyards, but never drink their wine. And so the Lord is essentially saying, look, you're going to sow, but you're not going to (laughs) reap because I'm not going to allow your sowing to reap. And so the law of sowing and reaping is not going to apply to you, you who do these things. And so the Lord didn't play games. you know. In verse 17, he says, I will bring distress on mankind and they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. This next, this next scripture. Their blood will be turned out like dust. Excuse me, their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. The 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 expressions that the Lord uses, you know, he says, their blood will be poured out like dust, and their flesh like dung. Their silver and their gold will be unable to rescue them on the day of the Lord's wrath. The whole earth will be consumed by fire. Now, I see. The things are starting to shift here a little bit, see, and so the Lord is talking about those in Jerusalem. But now, you know, when he's when when Zephaniah is prophesying, he switches up a little bit. He says the whole earth will be consumed by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make a com- for he will make a complete yes, a horrifying end of all the inhabitants of the earth. Now, this is talking about in the, in the tribulation time. This is out there in the future. We haven't hit this yet. So first he was prophesying to the, uh, to the Judeans at that time what the Lord was going to do to those people that exhibited that attitude at that time. Then it switches up and it says the whole earth will be consumed by fire, see, by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make a complete, yes, a horrifying end of all of the inhabitants of the earth. Chapter 2, it says, A call to repentance. It says, Gather yourselves together, gather together, undesirable nation. For the de- <laughs> gather together, undesirable nation. <laughs> it says, uh, uh, Let's see, before the d- decree takes effect and the day passes like chaff, before the burning of the Lord's anger overtakes you, before the day of the Lord's anger overtakes you seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth. And it says, look, this is, this is implied. There's a time frame. It says before any of this stuff happens, because it's coming, it's going to happen. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth. Those of you who are humble, seek the Lord before it's too late. Essentially what it's saying, seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth who carry out what he commands. Seek what? Seek righteousness and humility. Perhaps you will be concealed on the day of the Lord's anger. Perhaps you will be hidden on the day of of the Lord's anger if you seek the Lord, if you seek righteousness, and if you seek humility. That's what we are to seek. You see, the opposite of that, righteousness and humility, is evilness and pride. So if you're in wickedness or evilness, and if you're in pride, then you need to seek the Lord. You need to be honest with yourself and seek the Lord. Judgment against the nations. Let's drop down here to verse 8. It says, I have heard the taunting of Moab and the insults of the Ammonites, who have taunted my people and threatened their territory. Therefore, as I live, this is the declaration of the Lord of armies, the God of Israel. Moab will be like Sodom and the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a place overthrown with weeds, a salt pit, and a perpetual wasteland. The remnant of my people will plunder them. The remainder of my nation will dispossess them. In verse 10, it says, this is what they get for their pride. See, pride is pride is a consistent thing through the word. This is what they get for their pride because they have taunted and acted arrogantly against the people of the Lord of armies. Because you have taunted my family, because you have uh, acted arrogantly towards them, because you have gloated when they have been disciplined, you know, this is what's going to happen to you. (laughs) Verse 12, he goes on, he says, you Cushites will also be slain by my sword. <laughs> You're not going to escape me. He will also stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. He will make Nineveh a desolate ruin, dry as the desert. See, so, so the Lord, is, he's, he goes through the regions. He doesn't just discipline and deal with Israel and just deal with uh, Judah. He deals with the wickedness of all of the kingdoms in the territory eventually because he is not just the God of Israel. He's the God of all. It says in chapter three, woe to oppressive Jerusalem. Whenever you see the word woe, you know there's something not good coming. It says in verse one, woe to the city that is rebellious and defiled, the oppressive city. Now, I would challenge you uh, to think past Jerusalem here, to think about modern day cities. Think about the city you live in, the major city you live near or in. Think about it. In this, as I read through these uh, these scriptures, it says, "Woe to the city that is uh, rebellious and defiled!" Could that be where you live? Could that city be um, exemplified here? It says, "She has not obeyed; she has not accepted discipline; she has not trusted in the Lord; she has not drawn near to her God." Is that where you live? Do you have people that are actually actively trying to pull away from the Lord, trying to direct society against the Lord, trying to ignore the principles of the Lord, trying to adopt the ways of man? See, verse three, it says, the princes within her are roaring lions, the princes being the leadership, the government. Her judges are wolves of the night. In other words, her judges aren't interested in justice. They're interested in pillaging the people. It says, uh, which leave nothing for the morning. Her prophets are reckless, treacherous men. Her priests profane the sanctuary. They do violence to instruction. Now, this is directed at you, you know, the, 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 the holy people of the day. And so I can, I can look at the, the priests and the pastors and the bishops and, and whatever you want to call them today. Do they fit into this category? It's, do they profane the sanctuary? Do they do violence to instruction? Meaning, do they not instruct the, the, the things of and the ways of the Lord? Do they instruct the things of themselves? Do they instruct the ways that will benefit themselves? We got to be honest. What's happening in our pulpits? It says in verse 8. Therefore, wait for me. This is the Lord's declaration. Until the day I rise up for uh, for plunder, my decision is to uh, gather nations to assemble kingdoms in order to pour out my indignation on them. All my burning anger for the whole earth will be consumed by fire, by the fire of my jealousy. So, again, this is referring out when the the Lord is going to gather the nations and, and essentially judge them. Final restoration promised. The Lord brings correction, brings discipline. But there's always after purification, there is something left after that. That is highly desirable. It says, verse 9, for I will then restore pure speech to the peoples. Now, what this could be referring to, what I think it might be referring to, is that uh, back in the day, in the future, on the day of the Lord, in the future, we have a bunch of different languages now, right? You, know, you got English, you got French, you got German, you got you know different dialects of Chinese, you know Japanese, you know all kind of languages all over the earth. It says for. Uh, for For I will then restore pure speech to the peoples implies that in that day there will be one one language where everybody will be able to communicate. And it says here, so that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him with a single purpose. In other words, we can all call on the Lord with one voice and one language. It says in verse 11, on that day, you will not be put to shame because of everything you have done in rebelling against me. For then... uh, I will uh, remove you from among, uh, for, let me back up. For then I will remove from among you your, ju- your jubilant, your jubilant <laughs> arrogant people, and you will never again be haughty uh, on my holy mountain. It says in verse 12, I will leave a meek and humble people among you, and they will take refuge in the name of the Lord. So we see here that there's no place for pride in that day. That those people will be weeded out. In verse 17, it says, the Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet in his love. He will delight in you with singing. This implies that the Lord is going to sing to his people, <laughs> you know, out of his delight, out of, out of the overflow of his delight, he will sing to his people. That's awesome. Let's go on to the book of Haggai in uh in the book of Haggai we find a prophet now we're going to go about a hundred years later okay um and so this is around 520 bc-ish and the people, the exiles in uh, Babylon have returned. They've, they've been back for about 15, 16 years now after they've returned from their exile in Babylon. And so they were tasked to rebuild the temple, the temple that the Babylonians had dest- uh, uh, destroyed. And so their task was to rebuild the temple. If you recall, uh, in some of the other books of the Old Testament, they were being harassed by other people in the area. They were being um, discouraged, and whatnot. So they had ceased working on it. And so this is the time that Haggai is prophesying. He's prophesying to them to get them, to encourage them, to to, to get them to uh, turn to God and to uh, do what they're supposed to do, right? Because we can imagine that their existence was relatively harsh because they returned to a ruined city. They're back in Jerusalem. The city had been destroyed. It's been destroyed for 70 years. And so the first task is to rebuild the temple. So we see here command to rebuild the temple in chapter 1. It says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet uh, Haggai to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the high priest. So we have the governor of Judah, and we have the, um, excuse me, of Jerusalem, well, probably more than just Jerusalem, and then the high priest in the region. It says in verse 2, The Lord of armies says this, These people say the time is not come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Verse 4: Is it time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house lays in ruin? You know, and so the house is lying in ruin. And so Haggai is asking the people, You're busy building your house while the house of the Lord is in ruins. Is this the time to be building your house? This is now the Lord of armies says this: think carefully about your ways. It says, Uh, You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes, but never have enough to keep warm. The wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. And so the Lord is saying, he's asking people to think about what's been happening. You're eating, but you're never satisfied. You're drinking, but you're never satisfied. You're always hungry. You're always thirsty. You know, it seems like the money you make just falls to the, falls to the ground. You're saving nothing. You have nothing. Think about this. Why, why might this be? Let's go on. It says in verse 9, it says, You expected much, but then it amounted to little. When you, bought, when you brought the harvest uh, to your house, I ruined it. Why? So now he's going to explain, this is what's been going on with you, and this is why you haven't been meeting success. Because my house still lies in ruins, while you, uh, while each of you is busy with his own house. See, you're taking care of your business. You're not taking care of my business. If you take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. This is the proposition the Lord is making. If you take care of my business, I'll take care of you. But if you ignore my business, then you're not going to have the hand of blessing on you verse 10. He says, "So on your account, the skies have withheld the dew and the land its crops. Because of what you've done, I've will I've withheld rain, so nothing's growing." <laughs> you know. <clears throat> the people's response and so the people are going to respond to this. What do they do? It says in verse 12, then uh, Zerubbabel, the high priest, Joshua, uh, then Zerubbabel, the high priest, Joshua, and the entire remnant of the people obeyed the Lord, their God, and the words of the prophet Haggai. And so they heard this word and what was their response? They obeyed it. See, that hasn't been the case. Usually that's not the case. They hear the, verse, uh, the voice of the Lord and the people ignore it and do what they want to do, but not the people, not the returning exiles. They heard the voice of the Lord through Haggai, and then they obeyed it. Verse 14, the Lord roused the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, the spirit of the high priest Joshua, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. They began to work on the house of the Lord of armies, their God. So they heard the word, and they immediately started working on the house. Chapter 2, it says, encouragement and promise. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, to the high priest Joshua and to the remnant of the people who was left among you who saw this house in its former glory. No, it's a question. Verse three, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? So the Lord is tasking Haggai to ask the people who among you is old enough to remember the former house and its glory. And it says, how does it look to you now? Because remember, they're rebuilding the temple. And so he's asking, who remembers the former temple that Solomon built? And how does this one compare to that one? It says, doesn't it seem to you like nothing by comparison? So the Lord is saying, for those of you who have been around long enough, doesn't this house seem lame compared to the former house? Key word is seem. Verse 4. Even so, be strong, Zerubbabel. This is the, how, this is the Lord's declaration. Be strong, Joshua, uh, high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration. Work. The Lord's declaration is be strong and do what? Work. There's a time to pray. There's a time to seek the Lord. There's a time to do all that stuff. And there is a time to work. And so the Lord is saying, this is the time to work. For I am with you, the declaration of the Lord of armies. In verse 6, it says, for the Lord of armies says this, once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, uh, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. The ones that, that th- th- this house, this temple that doesn't look, li- uh, that doesn't look like it, it compares with the former temple at all. But this new one that you're rebuilding, I'm going to fill this house after I shake the earth. And then it says the final glory of this house will be greater than the first. The final glory okay, of this house that looks meager in comparison to the former house, the former temple, the one that Solomon built, it says the final glory of this lame house is going to be greater than that one. In other words, just don't look at the veneer. Don't just look at the outside. See. He says, I will provide peace in this place. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. And so he's saying, I'm going to use this temple, this rebuilt temple that looks uh lame in comparison to the former temple. This temple is going is going to be the temple that I am going to exercise my glory in. And to me, the lesson is don't don't look on, the, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. You know, to me, that's the lesson. Oh, holiness and defilement. Uh, verse 11. This is what the Lord of Armies says. Ask the priest for a ruling. If a man is carrying consecrated meat in the fold of his garment and it touches uh, bread, stew, wine, oil or any other food, does it become holy? So you've got consecrated meat, it touches some other food, does that other food become holy? The priest answered no. Then it says in verse 13, then Haggai asks, if someone is defiled by contact, um, if someone is defiled by contact with a corpse, touches any of these, does it become defiled? Cuz remember if the if if uh, with the Israelites if they touched if they touched a corpse, a corpse, they became defiled. And so he's asking if um, if someone defiled by contact with a corpse touches any of these, does it become defiled? The priest answered, "Yes, it becomes defiled." Verse fourteen. Then Haggai replied, "So, uh, so this, so is this people, and so is this nation before me. This is the Lord's declaration. And so, and so is every work of their hands, even what they offer there is defiled. And so, what's being said here is like if the people are defiled." then everything they touch, the work of their hands, the product of their hands, that's defiled. It doesn't matter if they're doing the work. If the people are defiled, their product, their produce, is, you know, what they produce is defiled. And so what he's essentially saying here is, well, let me read verse 15. It says, from now on, now from this day on, think carefully before one stone is placed on another in the Lord's temple. And so he's saying from now on, think very carefully do things with the right attitude and with excellence when you're working for the Lord. So it's saying here, it's a warning to the people. Be very careful how you do my work. Be very careful how you build my temple. Make sure you rebuild my temple with the right attitude and with excellence. You know, because if you don't do that, then you're defiled. See, if you're doing things with, if you're doing the right things for the wrong reasons, your work is defiled. See. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, be careful what you do, because you're going to build my temple. It needs to be built with the right attitude and with excellence, the best you know how to do, you know, so that it will not be defiled. So it's a challenge to the people. Don't be grumbling. Don't be in a bad attitude. Don't be in a bad mood. You know, don't think this this temple is crap compared to the former temple. Uh Uh-uh. That's not what he's after. That's not what this is saying. It's saying change your attitude so that the work of your hands may be blessed. For this is my house. And with that, that is the end of the book of Haggai. And so again, uh, Jesus is constantly inviting us, inviting us and by extending the invitation, says recognize me for who I am. Recognize me for who I am. It says, confess with your, uh, with your mouth and believe in your heart that I, Jesus, was sent by God and that I am the pathway to everlasting life. If you, conf- if you can uh, confess that sincerely with your mouth and, re- and believe it with everything in you in your heart, the word promises that you will be saved, that Jesus is Lord. Incredible invitation. And with that, we are done for the day. And we are almost finished with the Old Testament. We've only got a few more days before we're done with the Old Testament. And so then we'll start exciting times in the New Testament. With that, everybody take care, be blessed, and stay safe. Bye-bye now.